As we begin, first of all, I'm going to take you back about 25 or 26 years, and then I'm going to take you back about 2,000 years. And so about 25 years ago, give or take, uh, I had made out, and I was probably 14 or 15 years old, made out my Christmas list, few things that I wanted. And my parents said, you know, what do you want for Christmas this year? So I gave them a list. And I, I enjoyed all things technology, so several of the things I wanted came from Best Buy. Well, we had a, a good friend that worked at Best Buy, and he got this beautiful employee discount. And so my dad, trying to save a little jingle jingle, he said, uh, hey, uh, Josh made out his Christmas list. There's a few things he wants at Best Buy. Is it all right if we use your, your discount? My friend said, yeah, absolutely. So he goes, he picks up the few things on my list. And that night he's driving home. He stops by his fiance's house. And he's inside visiting with her and her family. Well, meanwhile, somebody breaks into his car, steals every single thing I had coming for Christmas. Now, sometimes things happen that are unexpected. And I know you can relate to this as well because sometimes things happen in your life that are unexpected. But as we read the Christmas story, as we go back about 2,000 years ago, we see God and we still see God today act in ways that are a bit unexpected because we would have anticipated if the Messiah is coming, we would have anticipated robes and gold and royal palaces but that's not how God chose to enter into time and space and history. Instead, he sends this helpless baby to be born in a manger who will lead a life from the cradle to the cross, a life of service and humility and often sorrow, and who will die on the cross that we might have a relationship with God. Now, yes, Jesus the Messiah was expected but he showed up in a way that was very, very unexpected. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to read through our text. And then we'll go back and just make a few points this morning. And then we'll have some more worship together as we celebrate light entering into the world. Uh, we'll worship by candlelight this morning. If you want to join me, I'm reading out of Luke chapter 2. And I'm just going to go ahead and read 8 through 20, this birth announcement of Jesus. It says in Luke, Luke 2, 8, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, listen to this, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day, in the city of David, is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now as we talk about the unexpected and as we talk about God often acting in ways that are unexpected. I want to see, first of all, what happens in our story, Luke 2, 8, is there's an unexpected visitor. It says, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with fear, and the angel said to them, fear not. Now, often when we see this story in film, or we read about it, or we read scripture, even in our own minds, we tend to romanticize it, that there were these shepherds, they were watching their sheep, and all of a sudden this angel appears, and it was this sweet, tender moment. Not at all. This was an unexpected visitor, and in that moment, these men are terrified. 
But the angel says, fear not. Now again, isn't it interesting that the announcement doesn't go out to royalty or kings or dignitaries. Instead, it's announced to shepherds. And so we see here, again in our story, something unexpected. The people that received the news about the birth of Jesus were unexpected recipients. Verses 8 through 10 tell us it was a group of shepherds. Now, in our culture, we don't know a whole lot about what it meant to be a shepherd. But often, shepherds were viewed as dishonest people. They, unfortunately, were viewed as as people at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. Now, not to cast a negative light on it, because King David was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. But shepherds were certainly not viewed with any esteem or with, with class or honor. But I think it's interesting and it's unexpected that God would announce the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the good news, his son, to a group of shepherds. It says in verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Listen to this, for all people. Again, that's not what we would expect. It's not what the Jews expected. The Jewish people believed that the Messiah was going to come just for the Jews alone. That he would set up a kingdom, he would rule again, and the Jews would sort of be back brought into the spotlight. That's what they expected. And as a matter of fact, they thought they were good with God because they were descendants of Father Abraham. But what Scripture teaches us is this, that God has no grandchildren or great-grandchildren. God only has children. That is to say, the only people that are children of God are those that come to him in faith. Just because our parents or our grandparents had faith, it's something we must come to on our own. But when I look at this story and I look at these unexpected recipients, it reminds me that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care how much you have. He doesn't care how many degrees are on the wall. That God loves us all. It's good news for all people. Now, unfortunately, our society often functions in a way where if you want to be on the inside, you want to be with the in crowd, you want to be in the club, you have to look a certain way, act a certain way, have certain things. But with the gospel, with Christianity, it's just the opposite. In order to receive the good news, we have to admit that we don't have it together, that we aren't good enough, that we are lacking something that only God can give. He says, good news of great joy. Now, as I thought about this, it made me think that really the gospel itself is an unexpected thing. Let me read verses 11 and 12. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The angel says, good news. When we use the word gospel, that's what it means, good news. Well, what is the good news? Well, the good news is both a person and a message. When we think of the the person, it's Jesus It's Messiah. He is the good news himself. But it's also a message about Jesus that spans from the cradle to the cross, really even before the cradle, because we saw in Luke chapter 1 this promise of a Messiah to come, that Jesus is the Savior. And here's what's unexpected about the gospel. 
is often, whenever we mess up or we fall short, we expect some punishment there. Remember maybe as a kid and you did something and you said these words in your head, when my parents find out, I am done. And that's sort of sometimes what we expect from God, that because we've sinned, because we have a past, because we've got these things in our life, we expect, I think naturally, that God's like, boy, you're going to get it. But instead, the unexpected gospel message is that even in our sin, even though we have fallen short, we are met instead with love and mercy and grace and goodness and kindness. And all that culminates into this precious little baby that Mary rocked, that entered into the world, that would one day die on the cross to save us from our sins. Nothing that we can do, but it's because of what God has done. But you wouldn't expect that. You wouldn't expect to be met with mercy and grace and kindness, even though we are guilty and that we have offended God. But notice what happens next. And I love this moment in our story. Verse 13, we see this moment of unexpected worship. A moment of impromptu praise. Let me read it to you. Luke 2, 13 through 14. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, listen to this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, one angel was unexpected. But Luke describes here a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now, how many were there? We don't know. But multitude, it's sort of an indefinite number. It means the sky was full of angels praising. Now, why were they praising? Because God is doing something. Remember, we talked about 400 years of silence. Mary, Elizabeth received this message that God is fixing to do something big, and he does. And so the night Christ is born, the, the skies are full of angels, unprecedented. Nowhere else in Scripture do we see this many angels in one place. And what do they do? They, they praise. This was a night of praise. And tonight is a night of praise. Today is a day of praise as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And truly, for the Christian... Every day and every night should be a moment of praise. We should praise God in how we live. We should praise Him with our bodies. We should praise Him with our actions. We should sing His praises day and night and night and day. And so to give us just a little bit of an understanding of this moment of impromptu praise, right now we want you to stand with us and we want to be reminded how the sky split that night.
church. You can be seated. We tried to imagine what would it be like in an unexpected moment, right in the middle of normal life, if worship just broke out. That's what happened this night is the sky split and angels filled the sky. There was this moment of unexpected praise because this Savior, this baby born in Bethlehem was worthy of it all. And I notice in my own life sometimes moments just in the day-to-day of unexpected praise when, when God just sort of gives you a glimpse of his glory and of his goodness. And sometimes for me, that's when my kids are sleeping and I walk in to check on them and I just see them laying there in content and my heart just bubbles up with this unexpected praise of God, thank you so much for my kids. Sometimes it's when me and my wife are washing dishes and she smiles and I'm just reminded of God's goodness in sending me the woman that he did. And, and I just praise and I say, thank you, God. And, and sometimes it's, it's talking with someone and we're talking about the Bible and you just see it click. You just see something happen in their minds where God kind of breaks through and you say, God, thank you, an unexpected moment of worship. Sometimes it's when we're gathered together, assembled, and we're singing praises and you're just overwhelmed. You're just awash with the goodness of God. This night, nearly 2,000 years ago or over 2,000 years ago, the sky split. And angels proclaimed the goodness of God. But as we near the end of our time together in the text, I want you to see one more thing, and that's unexpected peace. Look at verse 14. The angel said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, it says peace. It says, and on earth peace. Well, maybe sometimes we ask, well, what is this peace? And I think what you might expect from people if you say, what does this passage mean? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Most people will probably tell you one of two things. They'll probably refer to world peace. That, that through Christ, everybody can, can put aside their differences and all things be well. But that's not what this passage is talking about. Though, as Christians, we should be peacemakers, and we should try to be at peace with those around us. But that's not what the passage is talking about. Some people will say, well, this peace is an internal peace that when we come to Christ that we experience meaning and purpose and joy, and that he resides in our hearts and we experience peace. Though that is true, this is not what the text is saying. When it says, peace among those with whom he is pleased... What the angel is proclaiming that because Christ has entered the world, we can be at peace with God. Because before Christ, Scripture says that we are enemies. Let me read to you Romans 5.10. It says, for while we were enemies with God, we were reconciled to God. How? By the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. That is... 
without Christ and before Christ, we were the enemies of God. But because of what happened in Bethlehem, in a manger, from the cradle, as he would march to the cross, the resurrection, because of that, we can be at peace with God. We don't have to be enemies. Now, here's what happens in a lot of people's lives is they struggle in relationships and to make peace with people around them. Or they struggle to find internal peace and they're plagued by emotions and difficulty. And they try and they try and they try. And the reason they can't have peace with others or peace within themselves is because they're not at peace with God. And until we come and lay down our arms and repent of our sins... And say, God, I want you to be king in my life. I want to trust you with everything I have. My hope is found with you. Until we have that peace with God, we can never have peace with the people around us. And we'll certainly never experience internal peace. And so this morning, church, I want to ask you this question. Where are you? Has there come a moment in your life that you can trace back where you know that you know that you and God are at peace with one another? And if you are at peace, then that can flow down into our hearts and our minds and bring us a peace and joy, even in the midst of difficult times. It can bring, it can smooth out the wrinkles in our relationships because God is able to work in our lives and in the lives of other people. Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with others? And are you at peace within yourself? Only God can do that. And while God may act unexpectedly in a lot of ways, here's what you can expect. That when God promises something, that he always keeps his promises. And so Christian, I want to leave you with what Jesus said, John 14, 27, to his disciples when they were scared and confused. Jesus said, John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace do I give it. He says, and so let not your heart be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. Brothers and sisters, Merry Christmas, and peace be with you. Now at this time I'm going to ask our deacons to come up, and I'm going to pray. And then we're going to light our candles, and we're going to celebrate the light that entered into the world by worship through candlelight. So bow with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, we come before you today once again, thankful that we can be here, thankful that we can be in your house, and God, thankful that we can celebrate that light has entered into the world. God, we praise you for your goodness and your kindness. God, we praise you for drawing near to us because we couldn't draw near to you. God, we're thankful that light has entered the world that it shows us how we can be at peace with you and how we can be at peace with others and how we can be at peace within ourselves. And so, God, it's today that we proclaim your glory as the angels did in that unexpected moment on that unexpected night. Lord, we praise you for your goodness, for your kindness, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, might we be reminded tonight to shine our lights into the darkness. Might we be reminded tonight to share with others what we have received from you. And Lord, if there's those here who have not received your son, those here who are not at peace with you, we pray that today would be the day that we come to know you and come to live for you. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. All these things we pray in your name.